BridgeBank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to those committed to leveraging innovation to make the world a better place. BridgeBank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. BridgeBank, be bold, venture wisely. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. From KQED. Good morning. This is the California Report. I'm Madi Bolaños in San Francisco, and these are the headlines we're following. A new assembly bill would require state departments, agencies, and commissions that collect demographic data to include an ethnic category for Californians of Middle East and North African descent. AB 2763 would require a category for MENA respondents to be included on state forms that offer racial or ethnic designations. That data would be included in state demographic reports. Testing sewage for illegal drugs could become common practice in California under another new bill in the state assembly. The proposal would let state public health officials decide what substances to test for. The possibilities include cocaine, fentanyl, methamphetamine, and morphine. San Francisco Assemblymember Matt Haney introduced the bill. Wastewater drug testing can show us down to the neighborhood level uh, spikes in specific uses of drugs, Uh, mixes of drugs, new drugs, uh, and we can use that information to respond immediately in ways that will save lives. Marin County has been tracking metabolized drugs in sewage for over a year, finding rare drugs such as Trank as well as a spike in fentanyl that predicted a jump in overdoses. Haney's bill to expand sewage drug testing could get its first hearing next month. In Shasta County, a citizens' commission created by right-wing politicians is recommending that county officials violate state law by hand-counting election ballots. Jefferson Public Radio's Roman Battaglia reports. The County Elections Commission voted 4-1 to on Monday to send a recommendation to the Board of Supervisors advocating for hand-counting ballots. That's according to Shasta County resident Suzanne Barrymore, the lone dissenting vote on the commission. The report submitted to supervisors cited a number of election fraud conspiracy theorists and a need to restore confidence in local elections. Shasta County supervisors already tried to have elections officials hand count ballots last year, a process that's been found to be more expensive, more time-consuming, and less accurate than using machines. Their effort triggered the passage of a new state law banning the hand counting of ballots in most California elections. This report claims that state law violates the county's rights. It now heads to the Board of Supervisors, which would have to enact any kind of ordinance. For the California Report, I'm Roman Battaglia. Hi, I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse, golden state. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest, and... 
I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio. It was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. If you're still not sure what's on the ballot or how to fill it out, we've got you covered. KQED's politics correspondent Guy Marzarati is here to answer some of the questions you might feel too embarrassed to ask. Hey, Guy. Hey, Mari. So what are people voting for in this primary election? There's actually a lot. So statewide, we have a competitive primary for U.S. Senate. Uh, It's a top two primary. So Democrats, Republicans all on the ballot together. Uh, The top two finishers there will advance to the general election. This is the seat that Dianne Feinstein held until she passed away last year. And then we have a statewide ballot measure, Proposition 1, which would make some pretty big changes in how the state pays for mental health care, behavioral health care. So that's statewide. And then throughout the state, you have all these different local races that are being decided on the ballot in March, a lot of which may not end up going to the general election. Things like county supervisors. You know, that's a race where if one candidate gets a majority vote, they take office and could potentially hold that for years to come. So there could be a lot at stake in a lot of these local races happening uh, throughout the state on March 5th. And for the U.S. Senate race, can you explain why there are two questions on the ballot? That's right. This is a question we get a lot. It's like, why am I voting on the same race twice with a lot of the same candidates in both? So this is because when Feinstein passed away, Governor Gavin Newsom appointed a senator to take her seat for the rest of the term. And under state law, voters would actually have to weigh in on that interim appointment. So basically, here's how it works. The first short-term appointment that voters are voting for would actually be for someone to hold the seat from when the election is certified, which will be in like early December, until the term ends, which would be in January. So basically just for like a few weeks. The second question is for the actual full six-year Senate term. So it's a kind of weird uh, result of state law that you're basically voting for someone to serve for a few weeks and then your regularly scheduled six-year Senate term. Mm, Okay. And sometimes people are seeing these candidates' names on their ballot for the first time. If someone doesn't know anything about the candidate, what can they do to learn more about them before voting? Well, let me start with the shameless plug. We have a voter (laughs) guide uh, at KQED, kqed kqed.org slash voter guide, where we have info on all the statewide races and then everything happening across the Bay Area, the biggest races in our region. But statewide, there are county voter information guides that get sent to every voter. They're also available on your county registrar's website. And there you'll get kind of the basic information. Who are these candidates that I'm seeing on the ballot? And in case of ballot measures, local ballot measures, you'll see arguments for the measure, arguments against the measure all get filed with your county that then appear in the county voter information guide. Okay. 
And if you have no party affiliation, are there restrictions in what you can vote for? There are. There are some added steps, for example, that no party preference voters, independent voters have to take to vote in the presidential primaries. Um, And this matters because more than 22 percent of of California voters are registered as no party preference. So if they want to vote, for example, in the Democratic presidential primary, they have to take an extra step. They have to ask their county registrar for a crossover ballot. This will let them vote, for example, for Joe Biden, Dean Phillips, Marianne Williams, in the Democratic primary. On the Republican side, independents would have to join the Republican Party to be able to participate in the Republican primary. So they want to vote for Donald Trump, Nikki Haley. They would actually have to change their registration, become a member of the Republican Party. Then they can cast that ballot on March 5th. Okay. Is it too late to register to vote? It's not too late to participate in the March 5th election. You can register to vote conditionally. Basically, what that would mean is you would go to a voting location, you'd fill out all the paperwork to register to vote, you'd cast your ballot, and then election officials will go back and make sure that you actually can be registered, that you're not previously registered you know, somewhere else. And once that's all done, they would count your ballot. Awesome. Thank you so much, Guy. My pleasure. That was KQED's politics correspondent, Guy Marzarotti. And that is the California Report for Tuesday, February 27th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Madi Bolaños. Thanks for listening and have a great day. Support for the California Report comes from Hint. Fruit-infused water with no sugar or diet sweeteners with more than 25 flavors, including watermelon and pineapple. In stores or delivered from HintWater.com. The James Irvine Foundation, committed to a California where all low-income workers have the power to advance economically. Learn more at Irvine.org. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy works to create a cleaner, healthier, more secure world for all, on the web at theschmidt.org. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? Its history, its people, its unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out the Bay Curious book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on the Bay Curious podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get the Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! Hi there, I'm Randa Abdel-Fattah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast.